Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a Loki video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger and uh, Brendan. Hey, Stephen. Today is another big day. I think I always say today is a big day, so I want to not have people be numb to that idea. If every day is a big day, then no day is a big day. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Isn't that what they say in The Incredibles? (laughs) The villain (laughs) says that. (laughs) If everyone's incredible, no one is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, is, that is syndromes. I think whole mo right. When my hair gets too long, I worry that I look like that character. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <laughs> that aside, uh, today we're talking about Death Stranding. We're talking um, about the GameCube uh, direct uh, movie tie-in video game, The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> this game lets you play as every member of the Incredibles family. You can stretch. You can get strong. You, you really feel the speed when you're running around as the. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i know like it's a must but i like anytime there's a review that like uses like a pun in the in the take of it where it's like you know uh i guess it'd be like this is a super game or something it's like oh come on yeah you know that was, know that was like, the big thing with with um with a <clears throat> hi i work at marvel anything i say has nothing to do with whatever my employer wants blah 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 legal stuff uh that's what everybody did with spider-man was like it makes you feel like spider-man yeah it was yeah. like the line that was in every single review in that game <laughs> it's like yeah man i would hope that is what the whole yeah. point of the video I game don't is feel like the thing you know <laughs> <laughs> this game makes you really feel like the thing but like on his day off you know <laughs> sitting in the diner calling everyone bub Ordering the usual. Does he call people bub? That's Wolverine. That's Wolverine. I know nothing about the thing. You yeah. should tell me one day. Okay. His name is weren't, Ben. Weren't the Fantastic Four Stanley's favorites? Because I, I feel like they're always like kind of whatever. And then we should probably not talk about this a lot. I yeah, feel probably like not. Di- I could hear Disney executives marching closer to where we both record. Yeah, Walt Disney's frozen body. His eyes just opened up. <laughs> I was like, did someone insult the thing? <laughs> <laughs> I bought Marvel for one reason. Thing. <laughs> Today we're talking about Death Stranding. It's the new video game by Hideo Kojima, uh, who you may know as the creative director of all of the Metal Gear Solid games, except for one of them. Right. Uh, so I just want, before we get into the specifics of the game, I want to talk more about the thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's he made of rocks. rocks. The thing rocks. That's the review. Um, no, I want, (laughs) it's always, I always feel evil when I make myself laugh. Like that's always a sign that the bit is cursed and Mm -hmm. I laugh at my own joke. Anyway, it's really interesting that we're talking about Death Stranding following, (laughs) what's up? I thought you were going to say the thing again. I'm sorry. You know, the the best thing about Death Stranding is the thing who shows up when you bring (laughs) a bunch of supplies to one of the towns and he's like, oh, thanks, bub. This really rocks. (laughs) Oh, Bob, this has been a real pain <laughs> in my neck, not having enough oil for the town. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thanks for the pizza, too. Holy shit, is it tough being made out of rocks? Oh, my God. Um. Okay. Uh. So, my, I can't even say my favorite thing anymore without, think, without being pulled right back into the thing's rocky grasp, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> anyway. Wow. That was a short time to title, also. What? The, the thing's, thing's rocky, rocky grasp. Rocky grasp. <laughs> <laughs> 
the weirdest thing about the movie, the thing, is when the thing shows up at the end. <laughs> Kurt you Russell think, and Keith you David. You think the are, thing is the alien, but it turns yeah. out the thing is actually Ben Grimm, the thing. Of Kurt the Russell and Keith David are sharing a bottle of whiskey, and he's like, mind if I take a swig, bub? And then you just see a <laughs> rocky hand grab the bottle, and then the movie fades to black. Um, oh, my God. This is inescapable okay <laughs> should we take a break now and then come back yeah actually let's do it okay cool cool, cool. break <laughs> this is the first time we have to like purge a bit we have to like go outside and like hose ourselves open off. the fucking airlock get yeah, it out of here get the thing off this plane <laughs> get this thing out of here Bob, give me a second chance. You don't, that's not your thing. You don't say Bob. Everything about this is wrong. Bob, come on, I can change. <laughs> All right, we're, we're out of thing deep lore. Don't think about the thing. Don't say anything. Steven, we don't are back. Thing, don't say we are talking about, about Hideo Kojima's new video game, topic. Don't even Death bring Stranding, up starring Death, Norman Reedus, Death, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Leah Saido, Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien dressed as an otter. Uh, uh, the director of Drive. Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. A lot of a lot of big cameos. Church is um, the band. That's right. <laughs> it's it's funny how now it's not clear what the bit is. French Stewart. <laughs> Don't open this floodgate. Gigantamax Grookey. You show up to a town of French store, it's like, gee, thanks for these supplies. I really <laughs> was running short on uh, pizza. Um, Pink Gold okay. Davidson. All right, I'm out. I'm done. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, Death Stranding. This is a game that has been... The, the fact that 2019 is beginning... This is not a hot take, but the fact that it began with Kingdom Hearts 3 and is ending with Death Stranding in terms of games that have been like hyped for years and years and years and seemingly were never going to come out, yeah. you know? Uh, we have both in this year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Kingdom Hearts 3 sadly doesn't actually exist, so we don't really need to talk about that too much. But yeah, um, famously, uh, when everybody opened up the box of Kingdom Hearts 3, it just dissolved into sugar. It <laughs> <laughs> just be like, and then like kind of a the theme song played backwards. You're like, oh, I yeah, when you got yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll check out Dream Drop Distance. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, but Death Stranding's out. This is a game that, like, literally our first episode of the show, like, our, our test episode, which was E3 2018, which I didn't even have a mic yet, like, our, like, dream of an idea episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> this game came up, and we were like, we don't know what to think. Like, we, we've pretty much always been in the camp of people who are, like, apathetic but intrigued about this game, basically. Because neither, neither of us have really been super into Metal Gear. Not because of uh, not liking it, we just haven't really played it. I've really liked what I've played of Metal Gear, and you... Mm-hmm. I really liked what you've like watched of Metal Gear, which uh, is is a funny comparison. But, yes, um, I have. I have watched all of Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty. Hell yeah! And it was a great movie. <laughs> and that's, I think we'll get into that. Um, and I yep. think that's something that I am really excited to talk about. Um, but I played Snake Eater the first like I want to say like ten hours of it like in college. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. I, I'm not sure why I moved on. I think it just like I think all those games require them to be the sole focus. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's hard to like go back to. But um, I really I've always admired Kojima's passion 
for his games. I feel like long before games were seen as art, I feel like he was one of the people in the spotlight that were like really trying to do innovative things with yeah. his games. And that's why I think he has developed such a passionate following. Mm-hmm. Um so Death Stranding was like on our radars, obviously. And like we we go out of our way to like you and I are both very interested in what's current, what's coming out, but we're never going to buy a game that we're not genuinely like interested in. Yeah. Um, or like think we're going to enjoy. Like we always come to this show, like again, like the show's not a review site. We're not like, you know, we're, we're really, the formula is that we bring to the table something we're enjoying, or at least one of us is enjoying and we, we'll talk about it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to keep up with trends in any capacity. Um, right. It just so happens that the past couple of weeks have been us extremely keeping up with trends, but that's mainly yeah. just because like. Like it and is the Oscar season of video games for some reason. Pretty much like when we started this podcast is when I feel like we are entering a golden age of video games. Like everything coming out is just great. Yeah, you know, yeah. like 2017 and on, I would argue like 2017 is we were we were talking about like decade of, you know, and looking mm-hmm. what came out every year. And I was like, man, like 2014, like nothing was really out or whatever, yeah. at least in, in my opinion. Um, And then 2017 was like, I, I'm, I'm like both grateful and also sad that we didn't have our show in 2017 because mm-hmm. like that was persona 5 breath of the wild uh near automata like so many great games came yeah. out in 2017 i don't know what my list would look like but anyway i say all that because death stranding i think is one of the first games that like we felt like we just had to check out because it was such a big event yeah you know? it was kind of like um, red dead redemption 2 last year in a way which you yeah, ended up picking up i i ended I up i still have not played but i just watched a video essay recently that really made me want to check it out so i might end up playing that soon but anyway, i think you'll yes. like it i i think we we've talked a lot about it um you know, and I think that there's a lot to say about it. A lot has been said about it. Um, I think it's a incredible game. And I uh, I do think it kind of gets in the way of itself. But I think that, like, um, in terms of the ambitions of an open world game and, like, what it does and, like, what it does well, uh, what that game does well, it does very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you're going to be happy you checked it out. Um, yeah. I, I do eventually want to give it more time because I've heard people have really, like, been grateful that they invested in the story. I kind of ended up doing more, like, exploring and just, like, some of the side missions and stuff. But, yeah, I talking about it, I would love to revisit it one day. That was on my top ten of last year. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it, just, it wasn't like... That was a game that when it came out, everyone was like, this is the best game ever made. It had, like, a lot of hype. And then, like, I yeah. feel like a few months later, there were all these think pieces that were like, why it's actually the worst game (laughs) right yeah which always that was that was the first time that i had ever acknowledged in myself that anytime rockstar games puts out a thing i always get it and i always don't like it um yeah with the exception of red dead redemption one which i played all the way through and loved um yeah but i i just was like not i was not willing to just like drop money on a thing that i wasn't sure i was gonna like just to like be able to talk about on the show um, which I, I think is worth highlighting because Death Stranding is such a different beast in this case, because I think like even as recently as maybe a month ago, you and I mentioned on the show, we were like, we're not going to get this game. Like neither of us are really invested enough to like want to check it out. <laughs> and it was when the the day the reviews came out and you and I were talking about it and we were like um, we were messaging each other back and forth, just like highlighting paragraphs from reviews, just like this sounds fucking wild. Like, yeah, I need to see what this is all about. I just didn't know what it was. Because, again, like, I, I felt like, and no one really did, to yeah. be honest. Um, and it would, it just felt like I was really curious how I was going to like it. it. It's very rare that you see a big game like that come out and not just get, like, nines across the board, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I don't say, like, I don't, 
I don't follow numerical score. I don't. I don't believe you can reduce an opinion to a number. Uh, I don't even I believe mean, in numbers. I don't believe in numbers. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's it's tough to like. I, I get I get the numbers to an extent, but like I I prefer like uh, I like the way Polygon does it, where they just recommend it or not, and that's mm-hmm. the perfect thing because then you're actually incentivized to read the full article and like get a full opinion rather than just like yes. nine or eight or whatever. Agreed. Um, but this is like the first big release that has seemingly had like it's interesting because in all the really positive reviews there was a lot of like caveats there were like a lot of caveats to the positive opinion Mm -hmm. and then a lot of the negative reviews it would start off like okay i think this is like a brilliant game that has great graphics but like i just hated playing it Uh, you know (laughs) yeah so like i was just really in kind of almost an egocentric way i was like i wonder where i'm gonna fall on this and like yeah maybe this is the time to, to check out we we both like really value video games as a medium and like not experiencing it feels like not seeing like a Coppola movie or something you know like Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced a Kojima uh, game like how can I call myself a video game fan you know right um so I picked up Death Stranding uh we'll we'll talk about it I will say I can't believe it I love this game yeah like my full like I'm really I want to get into (laughs) specifics and like not a huge surprise I think we well I think it's a surprise but I think like you and I both go out of our way to find the positives and things especially for the show so i was kind of going in expecting to be like okay i feel like i'm gonna have to like trudge through a lot but i'll find something i enjoy from this game mm-hmm. um and pretty much from the very like from the minute the game started i was fully immersed in it and like have been really loving the experience yeah um, and things are working for me that i didn't think would uh and i'm just so happy i checked it out um and i want that there's a lot more to that that i want to discuss and like i would love to talk about my like concrete experience like i played it with a group of people i think i mentioned that last episode mm-hmm. um a group of new new and old friends which was great yeah. um so uh yeah I, I i i think that there's a lot to talk about there but um just sort of like overview takes on it like what do you think so far um i'm like floored by it i think it's yeah i think it's incredible <laughs> I, yeah. i'm honestly um i'm surprised that i like it as much as i do um knowing that i have never really uh, enjoyed or felt really the desire to go and play any of the metal gear stuff um I, I had a I had an inkling that I would like it because I love PT. Um, I still have PT downloaded on my on my PS4, which is wonderful, and I go check yeah. it out every once in a while. So like I I know that there is like a version of a Kojima game that I would enjoy playing. Um, so I was nervous about this. Um, because I knew that he didn't have like the full studio backing that he would need. And I know his ambitions are so wild and large um, yeah. that I, I was concerned that like not having the entirety of uh, what was it, Konami that used to make Metal Gear? Konami, yeah. Not having yeah. the entirety of like a Konami or whatever um, to back him up might mean that like the ambitions would be larger than the actual execution could allow for. Sure. Um, but I, well, first of all, it seems like he got uh, some input from some other studios, which is great. I forget what they are, but uh, two other studios like helped out with this game, which is cool. Yeah, he um, seems widely beloved by a lot of people. Yeah, uh, you know, which well, I think that actually goes into a lot of the story of the game, which I think we'll discuss. But yeah. Anyway, continue. Um. So it, I, I went in kind of with, um, I would say middling to maybe low expectations for my own enjoyment of it. I, I was sure that there was going to be something to like in there. Um, yeah. Because the the reviews were so divisive, and some of them were so so effusive in their love for it. That I was like, there is a version of me that will love this, but I don't. I don't know if that's possible. Um, and it really was like 
the opening quote leading into yeah. the opening credits. I think I texted you immediately, like while I was watching the credits. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like, so that's actually the quote that got me into the idea as well. Uh, yeah. Do you mind if I share? Or did yeah, you please, wanna, please, please, please. Um, so for context, uh, Kojima said that he read a short story by um, Kobo Abe, I believe. Uh, and it's about how the first tool created by humans was a stick, which was meant as a form of protection, as they say, by putting distance between oneself and quote unquote bad things. And that the second tool was a rope used to secure things one finds important. Kojima compared the main tools in the game, punching, shooting and kicking to sticks. And then in Death Stranding, he wants people to communicate through the game equivalent of ropes. Um, so there's a there's a more uh, eloquently written uh, quote in the beginning of the game that talks about the sort of stick versus rope mentality. And like it really got me. Th- it, it reduced video game mechanics to like the most fruitful cores, like yeah. the idea that everything is a stick or a rope. So, you know, when you're playing a shooting game like Destiny, for example, uh so much of that is sticks. Mm-hmm. Like that's almost all stick gameplay. Yeah. But then what's the rope of that? The rope is like finding a group. It's it's possibly finding armor and like attaching that to yourself. Yeah. And how can you make a game that's more about ropes than sticks? Um that's like the best like minimalist microcosmic way to pitch this game. Because mm-hmm. it's it's so it's it like and that's what I've found throughout both the gameplay and the story is that like as superfluous and extravagant and as like many things going on as there are the main plot and the main core of the gameplay are really simple. And I think that that actually like aids the game very well. Yeah, I completely um, agree. I think, I think one yeah. of the reasons that I always found Metal Gear so hard to to parse was just because there's so much you have to manage in terms of like what snake is up to. And yeah. Just in, like take Snake Eater, for example, where you are like foraging for food, hiding, camouflaging yourself. There's like 48 different buttons you have to press to crouch and then walk while crouching. You know, like there's yeah. just so much involved. And, and the and the UI is so like obtuse and wild. Um, and then on top of that, you have the like Kojima wild ass story on top of that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, balancing both of those just does not work. Um, and, and this game really just being about delivering packages from one place to another, maintaining your balance. And then you have the wild story, I think, yeah. I think is really uh, to its credit. So before we get into the game specifics, I'd love to talk a little bit about just for people who aren't familiar. I want to talk about like what the history of like before this game came out, like with Konami and stuff. I don't know like all the details, but I'd love to just sort of go over that really quickly sure. and then talk about like just the sort of overview premise and plot of the game. And then we'll go into like more specifics. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, for those unfamiliar, uh, Hideo Kojima was with Konami for decades. He made Metal Gear with them, uh, and PT, the game that Brendan cited earlier, was supposed to be a dual effort between Kojima and uh, Gamma del Toro. They're going to make a horror game called Silent Hills in the Silent Hill universe. And PT was like a free demo or playable teaser is what it stands for. Mm-hmm. That game was released, scared the shit out of everyone. Yeah, uh, It's a terrifying game, a really cool game. But then like that demo, it was only released for like a short period and then it was no longer available, which kind of adds to like the like mythos of that game. Yeah, Konami removed it from the store. And that's when it was revealed that like, did Konami fire Kojima or did he leave um so 
from what I recall, because it was a while ago now, but from what I recall, he was on, he was pretty much contracted, not contracted, but he was like on a, um, like an exclusivity kind of uh, deal with Konami where like he couldn't leave. He literally couldn't leave um, Konami if he wanted to. Um, and and uh, at some point, I think, figured out a way to legally like void and exit that contract um, mm. or something along those lines. It was a very harsh break between the two of them, which is why yeah. I think it was Metal Gear 5 removed like the uh, uh, Hideo Kojima game from the from the box art. Um, yeah. Like they were like that petty about it by, by yeah. the end of the whole thing. Um, there are some rumors out there that PT is actually a game about like there, there was never meant to be a larger thing. It was never supposed to be silent Hills. It was actually <laughs> just a game about Kojima, like crying out from inside Konami wanting to leave, Oh wow, which is interesting, uh, worth looking up at some point. But I mean that, that fits the theme of like, you every time you've reached the end of the hall, it loops back to the yeah, beginning. Exactly, you know, you're, you're stuck in this house basically. Yeah. But yeah, that that project was supposed to be a collaboration between whether or not it was supposed to be a thing. It was Gamer Totoro, Hideo Kojima, and um, uh, Norman Reedus who mm-hmm. was going to be the lead. Yeah. Um, once they all broke off, Kojima started his own team, Kojima Productions, right? Mm-hmm. And then the game they started working on was Death Stranding. That was in 2015, I believe. Yeah. 2014 2015 and so like pretty much since then we've been getting like leaks of death stranding yeah uh, and like at e3 they would show footage of death stranding and, and yeah the first trailer was, like, was in 2016 yeah i was just yeah. like i just searched for my own <laughs> tweets about it from back then uh just to see but yeah my my first tweet about it was from uh yeah it looks like around e3 2016 yeah so and it kind of there's like definitely i mean we're in a time where like there's we talked about this with Outer Worlds, which is a game that like kind of directly satirizes like how much corporations have a chokehold over the world and the yeah. galaxy, but like hits close to home in a lot of ways. And you know, Kojima has is someone who has a lot of resources available to him, but there's also something really refreshing about like an individual breaking free of like a corporate like chokehold to make something of his own, you mm-hmm. know? So I think like that idea alone I really like and I would love to see more of that. I mean you see a lot of that in like the indie scene, obviously, but on like a triple A level like it's cool that this game is being I brought this up in an earlier episode but that it's in the same spotlight as Red Dead 2 was you know which was like as ambitious and as great as that game is it was like very much like a giant corporate (laughs) product yeah Um, and and to be fair like it's not like this isn't right like Kojima Kojima being a kind of more um, fun kind of like artsy face for this doesn't change the fact that like he he owns like a gigantic studio and has now become his own corporate entity in a way and like there have been some some like minor controversies in terms of him like not fully crediting everybody who's working on the game being like hi this is all my vision and i made everything myself well you didn't that yeah i mean i don't know how much to read into that because there was also an article about how like those were kind of mistranslated tweets oh Um, were they yeah like uh because english isn't his native language obviously and um he has like two twitter accounts i i don't know like I truly don't know like how much he's doing that or not, but there was some yeah. discussion about how that was kind of taken like out of context based on how it was translated. But um, regardless, like you're absolutely right that, and that's why I brought up earlier that he's someone who has these resources. Like it's not like the idea of him like you know just like oh I like 
you know, it, it goes into like a pickup by the bootstraps and did this thing. Like that's not what happened. He's right. someone who like already was a he giant. He secured millions of dollars of funding and like yeah, built a he, gigantic studio for himself. So yeah, and that's exactly so like, and that's not to villainize him for doing that, but like it's just the reality of the situation. At the same time, I don't want to like I uh, with Red Dead Two. Like, there's nothing bad about that being a rock star product and being like a giant team of people working on it. Uh, the only thing bad about that was the you know stories of burnout and, and all that kind of stuff, which like yeah tends to be intertwined with like a corporate uh you know environment and the thing is like with with this industry and with a lot of artistic industries like you do need that corporate backing sometimes yeah uh, it's just a matter of like can we live in a world where like that doesn't come with like abuses of power and like yeah burnout culture and all that so you know i think there's a middle ground i think it's not as simple as like breaking every system because like there could be like this is getting into a much bigger conversation but like you just don't want to get to a point where there's like three companies hoarding wealth that like abusing their power and like you know like treating every artist like a rag cloth they're just like wringing out of content you know right right yeah and that's i think where we are right now so like anyway i just think it's it's i'm i'm happy that kojima was able to at least set a standard of like hey you can do this on your own too you know and even though a lot of people will inherently have a smaller, much smaller version of that, I think it is kind of a nice message, you know, where it's yeah. like work with the people you want to work with and start your own thing versus like idolizing a company that may take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's just from my li- limited knowledge of the industry. So take that for what it's worth. Right. Um, but yeah, so the game is out uh, <laughs> and uh-huh. we went in with, with all this in mind and the concept of the game is that the setting is basically the rift between the realm of the dead and the realm of the living is like tattered and uh, we'll get more into the story to sort of want to set the premise yeah so like uh the dead are like way too involved in the realm of the living and vice versa and it has become like an environmental crisis where like if someone dies and the body isn't immediately incinerated um it's the equivalent of like a nuclear explosion like that body will what they mm-hmm. call it, necrotize and necrotize, explode. Yeah. And that's where you can kind of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of world building terms and like a lot of it is said in kind of like a logistical way. Yeah. Um, they just throw it all at you with really no, no, no concern at all. If you're following, like they're just like, Oh, <laughs> which, you'll pick it up eventually. Context clues will eventually lead you think, to what this means. I think it's worth going in knowing a little bit about the premise. Like a lot of it is metaphorical obviously. And, and mm-hmm. you know, but so that's the context of the world and, and, and it's sort of akin to breath of the, well, which we'll make a lot of connections with, oddly enough. The cities that remain, which are called knots, are like scattered throughout the US. Like they're miles and miles apart. Like the equivalent of like the distance from like Chicago to New Jersey, for example. Yeah. There might be like one or two cities in between us. Yeah. You know, like that's how far apart things are. Um, so the need for porters is huge. Uh, Sam Norman Reedus's character is Sam Porter Bridges. Uh, clearly, you know what his job is. Um, and <laughs> he is very much like a snake he has a snake aloof attitude kind of like a gruff indifferent dude but he's mm-hmm. i think a really interesting protagonist so we'll talk about him more in a bit yeah. but um uh sam is a porter and his job is to bring supplies from one place to another and that's really the conceit of the game the conceit of the game is that like you're in kind of like this s- torn apart version of the u.s where like nature it's sort of like a post-apocalyptic setting in the sense that nature has reclaimed a lot so it's like a lot of really beautiful hills and mountains and like 
Yeah. Um, very green, beautiful setting. But like uh, almost almost like no trees, which is interesting. Like it's, yeah. it's all just grassland. It's all just grassland yeah. and like crag. And like that's pretty much <laughs> right. it. There are some forests which are actually really spooky um, because yeah. there's something called time fall where when it starts raining, it's rain <laughs> that ages things really rapidly. Right. So like it's a really cool image of like you'll see like leaves like turn to like autumn colors and then shrivel away. Or yeah. like there's one scene which I will talk about a lot where like someone is trapped and they're getting rained on and you just see them becoming an old man mm-hmm. like really suddenly. It's really disturbing. Yeah. Um, there's even like you can see on on Sam's skin like where like a drip of, of that yeah. rain has fallen on his skin and like just like wrinkled one little circle on his hand or something. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. So. So that's that's the setting where and then there's also these things called BTs, which are um, if you've seen any footage of the game, like the giant handprints that are on the ground. Mm-hmm. They're these invisible like enemies that are from the realm of the dead that aren't at least for most of the game aren't fully explained. But they basically um, you have to hold your breath when you're around them. Uh, and if they sense that you're there, they'll like drag you to hell. Basically, they'll yep. drag you to the realm of the dead. Uh, yeah, they're fucking terrifying. And I'll talk about them more as well. Yeah, um, I didn't expect them to be as scary as they were. Anyway, yeah, yeah. moving on. But that's basically the, 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 the pitch of the game is that you're in this setting where like there's this giant threat of the realm of the dead and dying at all is like a huge thing you have to deal with. People who still are alive are like severely isolated and need a way to trade supplies with each other and that's where you come in so the core of the game really is bringing supplies from one place to another but we'll go into specifics of like why that is fun Mm -hmm. um and what we're enjoying about the game so now that that overview is over i picked this game up and i was talking to my friend eric about it eric if you're listening hello and we were both like he was actually even more uninterested in the game than i was uh but like we actually both got turned on to the idea of it by that quote about ropes. Yeah. Eric, my friend, uh, has pretty strong experience in game design. So like mm. he really loved that that idea and it seemed to really hit close to home for him. So we made an event where uh, a few of his friends who I hadn't met yet and he and I hung out and played Death Stranding together, uh, which I would recommend because just again for like expectation, I knew that this game was probably going to have a ton of cutscenes and it does. But in the past, like, I remember I watched a friend play or actually I tried to play the beginning of Metal Gear Solid 4 and when I was like in high school when it came out and I really struggled with it like, even with my strong Final Fantasy background I was like because I didn't have any attachment to the story I feel like that's an entry that you really needed to be invested in the series to enjoy yeah but like the beginning cutscene of that game is like over 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then like when you start playing they just throw you right in and I had no idea what I was doing I was like I'm not enjoying this at all right uh, I'm sure I would enjoy that game if I went in with like knowledge of the story and, and knowledge of what to expect but I was kind of expecting to like trudge through the same territory with Death Stranding yeah but like immediately it was gripping like the the beginning cutscene of uh it opens a sam uh on like a like a motorbike basically yeah um and it's raining and you see how that's affecting the world and he has like you know a hood up and like kind of like a you know ups delivery man attire uh yeah and that's what i love about the game like nothing is really very few things are like fantastic everything is like very grounded yeah and like very human yeah. um there's so much artistry in in all of that design though it is it is so cohesive and it is so um it is so low-key and so um uh, kind of realistic in a way uh, yeah. but at the same time like during that cutscene, i was pausing over and over again just to like look at what the bike looked like because i was so blown away just by the yeah. design of that thing it's so cool it's so intentional um but you know he he slips in the mud and his bike falls off a cliff and then it lets you play for a bit which i was surprised with. Like, oh cool so right away the first two things well he specifically totally- almost runs into a person he, yeah that's right uh 
who's Lisa standing Sado, there. right? Yeah. Yes. Um, is that her name? Leah Sido. With uh, the raddest umbrella in any oh piece God. of media of all time. I, I was thinking about the umbrella when you're when I was like, few things are fantastical. I'm like, that's going to be like the coolest cosplay accessory to have that umbrella. I want the umbrella. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he sees a flash of, of Leah Sido's character who is named Fragile. Uh, and following the tradition of like very on the nose Kojima names, but it all works for me and I'll get into it. So yeah. he almost hits her. It looks like he just hits her and he spirals out of control and his bike falls off a cliff. Um, and then it lets you play. You can scan the environment and it shows you like even like a pebble is like, you know, it shows you like the risk of mm-hmm. like falling down or whatever. So yeah. you have to walk around this environment and like pick up boxes that you dropped. And like even just that mundane task, like the way it's animated and the way it feels like and and a lot of the game you uh each shoulder button like grips one strap of your backpack. So right. a lot of it is balance and like knowing how much you can realistically take on and you have like almost it's like the same thrill that you get from like tetris is like arranging the boxes on your back to yeah. carry so you throw these like boxes on your on your back and uh it starts raining and and sam is like oh like time fall i can i can wait it out in that cave over there uh, and you go in the cave and leah Saito's character is also there um and you learn that you both have something special about you where you can sense bts which are these like otherworldly threats um they're the dead technically right they're the dead basically kind of like poking through into the land of the living in a way right so she's there and and she's basically like she like tells you not to breathe and like points up a finger and you're both sitting there and you see these human handprints like go in the mud yeah um and And it's start climbing up the the wall of the cave and they're on the ceiling and it's wild yeah it's the it's the it's the thing that's said so many times it's become cliche but like the the whole thing of like not showing what the threat is like in jaws or in like a lot of good horror movies like the fact that you don't see what these things are and even when you do it's like a very ethereal kind of shadow version of them. Yeah. It's so effective. And that cutscene is great. And then what follows is like, it reminded me a lot of um, just like a very unsettling scene. Great performances from both actors. Like I was yeah. so blown away by that. And that's where you can see like, there are so many cutscenes in this game where I'm like, Kojima absolutely has what it takes to be an incredible director. And like already is based on what that's in the game. But yeah. like, he has said multiple times that he wants to make movies and like he he should because these yeah. scenes are so immediately uh, and engaging and like yeah my first can... session with this game was like a two and a half hour session and I would say probably eighty percent of that was just like me sitting there watching a cutscene being blown the fuck away by how good the movie was you know right but what's what's incredible is that there's still there's still intention of like it being a game with the cutscene so like with that scene with fragile where you're like just both hiding from a BT and then there's like kind of tense dialogue introducing her as like this kind of uneasy ally maybe an antagonist she wants you to work for her company called uh fragile i think deliveries mm-hmm. um she has this like futuristic umbrella and seems to know like way too much about sam and like yeah there's a great thing where she's just behind him and she's like see you around sam porter bridges and then like spikes pop out of her jacket yep and she leaves i'm like that's so good so like that just introduces the tone of the world very well and like even though there's a lot like there's a line where she says a crypto bite a day keeps the time fall away which like and then eats could... um what, what are they called um oh Cryptobites. Shit. No, no no like the they're based on it like a real thing oh the, like the bugs with like the weird like tardigrades yes exactly yeah they look like they, like they're just like... gigantic tardigrades yeah so like 
I could see someone kind of rolling their eyes at like the the lingo that's like thrown at you and the and lines like that, but it all worked for me because that scene was so intentionally unsettling. Um, yeah, and like it was so tense. Uh, and then basically, uh, you go to um, one of the knots, like one of I think it's the, what the capital basically, or one of like the big yeah. cities nearby. And there's another porter there who's like, "Hey, like we got a dead body, we gotta take to the incinerator as soon as possible because this thing will destroy the city if it's still here." Mm-hmm. And uh, and he has what's called the bridge baby, which we'll talk about. Which if you plug it in, they they treat it like equipment. Uh, which quickly changes, but it's introduced to you as if it's a tool, even though it's clearly like a baby. Like a human um, child, yeah. Yeah, that like looks <laughs> at you and stuff. Anyway, so that that character went from one of the more unsettling things in the game to like one of my favorite sidekicks in yeah. a game yeah. I'll talk about. Um, but if you plug it in, if you plug into a bridge baby like with your like suit, you can, there are like kind of similar to the umbrella. There's like a weird antenna that can spot uh, BTs and it shows like a shadowy form of them if they're around. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of, it, it'll point at a BT that's near you and then it'll start like opening and closing. It kind of has like four fingers, I would say. Um, yeah. And it'll start opening and closing faster and faster and faster the closer you are to a BT, which yeah. like is not only great for just ratcheting up tension, but is also just very helpful. Um, it is really helpful. It, it does uh, it does both simultaneously. So it's like you have an in-game like diegetic like way of knowing uh how how close you are to a thing that could kill you at any moment yeah and even better like if you leave a bt area it kind of like does like a few and then it goes yeah (laughs) yeah um, yeah, and the baby once you uh, eventually you'll get that baby as your own companion it's just the best i love that baby um anyway this scene i I really love to talk about because this is what really blew me away Mm -hmm. um yeah me too you're in this car with this other porter who with this dead body and similar to the skyrim like oh you're finally awake it's like it lets you look around so like very intentional that uh, you know, in the first cutscene, it's just a cutscene. You're watching; it's like it feels like you're watching a movie. In this cutscene, you're able to look around and see the environment, and both characters are talking about like how the country used to be and what happened. And mm-hmm. also worth noting that Kojima has directly stated this game is a response to Brexit and Trump. Yeah, um, which I think we both—that was another selling point for us because we have both had a shared distaste for when games like like don't bother being political or like don't take a stance when they like have the opportunity to. Yeah. I don't think every like, right. Pokemon's not going to I mean Pokemon oddly does take an anti-capitalist stance which we'll talk about but uh when a game is setting up to have the ability to take a stance on something that makes sense for the setting and for the story that they are laying down, I think it should. Um, you know, like a game like Fallout or The Division, which you talked about, like that's where if you're using if you're using the idea of like political tension that exists in the country as a selling point, but then don't commit to taking a stance, that's what we that's what we don't like. Right. Yeah, um, it's extremely fucked. Uh, so the fact that this game, largely about reconnecting the country after tragedy, uh, has been cited as as that response. I thought that was really powerful to state. Um, and you see that very clearly in the game. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you're in this, I, I just thought it was, it was cool that in that cutscene there was the ability to look around. It felt very intentional that that's the freedom they give you in that moment. Things quickly go sideways where BTs strike and like topple the car. Um, one, the dude who is driving, it was the worst fate in the game is caught Rough. under the wheel, caught yeah. under the wheel of a car and the other porter is trying to get him out and time fall is raining down. So he's like suddenly becoming an old man. Yeah, um, it is very much like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like the Ark is open and they're looking directly into it and his yeah. face melts off kind of situation. So BTs are coming and like as we learned in the first scene, you have to hold your breath. 
Um, so right. like, you know, they both do. And then, you know, they give Sam a thumbs up and then the guy under the car like has to breathe. And then you see the camera like quickly go and he gets dragged away. And the yeah. other porter is like, sorry, and just shoots him to like prevent him from being dragged to hell, basically. Yeah. But then that porter gets starts to get dragged down and he throws you his bridge baby and then tries to shoot himself, but like can't in time. And then just starts like stabbing himself as he's being dragged into this other place. Yeah. Uh, then like lightning strikes and you see a giant like very cosmic uh kind of lovecraft bt shadowy yeah well, a, so thing, a thing worth mentioning from this scene that i think we skipped over is the whole point of this is that you are supposed to be delivering a body to the incinerator before it uh necrotizes um yeah and, and this is what happens when you don't you are shown directly like firsthand view this is what happens if you don't get a body to the incinerator in time so any future time that you have to do this like maybe immediately after this scene you will know what your stakes are and the stakes yeah. are a giant lovecraftian man will uh pull you into the sky and even if you try and stab yourself to death it won't work and then what you have a dream sequence which i won't spoil it's like one of the weirdest but like very effective scenes in the game where like you're given just control of the camera underwater but then you find sam and then it goes inside him mm -hmm. and it's very weird but it's yeah. very cool that is the uh, scene from all of the uh it, it's the the shot from all the trailers where it goes into the throat and then the baby is there and gives you a thumbs up and then you leave. That is yes. what it's from. That is that happens every time you die. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So basically that happens and then you wake up and you see where the city was. There's a giant handprint in the ground. Yep. So scary. And then you see the title screen. And now that's like I was all in like that was such an effective way to introduce the world. What follows is uh, and this is where I think it gets you know, into just the feeling of tragedy and terror that a lot of countries have been feeling lately in our current climate, where you find out that Sam's uh, mother is the president, which yep. is like, could be an eye roll moment. But again, so much of this is like kind of just directly metaphorical. And mm -hmm. like, I think tying family directly to the country is a very like interesting choice, you know? Yeah. And also like, I, I kind of check that part of my brain at the door for this, you know, yeah. I like putting the disc into my PS4. I was like, all right, I'm just take me on a ride. Whatever happens, yeah. happens. Oh, my mom's a president. Fine. Cool. What of course, also, of course she is. The undercurrent of every scene too, is that Sam it, it, it early on, a lot of people go to shake his hand. He doesn't respond because he has a phobia of like connecting to people. Yeah, basically, like he has a phobia of like. And the thing too is that because all these cities are so far apart, it is so rare that people are in the same room as at once. Yeah, a lot of times when you're interacting with other characters, it's a hologram of them, and a lot of times Sam will like walk through and be like, "See, you're not even here, really." Mm -hmm. Um, it's worth noting too. Whenever you deliver stuff, you're paid with like social media likes. Yeah. Um, that at first seem like they're being like satirical, but oddly become like a positive reinforcement. And I honestly think all of that, because Kojima has also said he suffers from like, you know, depression and, and a sort of constant feeling of loneliness. And a lot of his following is online. Yeah. You know, a lot of his following is, is all over. I mean, he has a huge, like there's so many videos of him walking into like, you know, the MoMA and like crowds of people being like, oh my God, like just screaming. <laughs> but there right. is always that distance. There's always like either, you know, uh, security or, or the internet or whatever yeah. uh, your closest companion is a baby who you're literally connected to but they're still in a concrete confinement like everyone is closed off in some way right sam has either chosen or not chosen to have this fear of intimacy 
And, you know, he finally is now in the Oval Office uh, with his mom, who's the president, who is on life support. Yeah. No clear image of fear of where your country is going than like the pre- like your mom, the president on like eight IVs. Kind of, again, the recurring image of like these weird strands and connections. Like yeah. The very, it sounds heavy handed and it truly is, but it works. I, I, I really, it that's, really works that's for the, me. That's the, the really wild tightrope of the whole thing is that like yeah. it all should be too much and it somehow is not. <laughs> It is so good at straddling the line between being like just way too much to handle um, and being fascinating and wonderful and and like just a, a little a little nugget of mystery that I need to I need to unpack, you know? Yeah. So this 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 next scene is the only other story beat I'm going to cover because I want the rest to be experienced. This is very early on in the yeah, game. Yeah, this, but... this is uh, again, like probably the first session that I played. Like, yeah, this is, like the first two hours, maybe. So you go into the Oval Office and uh you meet an old colleague of yours named Di Hardman who has a skull for a face, which mm-hmm. is, that's like, that's, I think, the litmus test of how much you can tolerate from this game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if, I think that character works so well because he's su- he is like a good dude. Yeah. Like, he wants to help the country. He has that mask and that name because, like you, he, like, can't die, basically. Like, both you and Sam are called, I think, not Revenants, but something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I don't remember the name. Revenants are the D&D term of, like, zombies, but, like, that have retained their sentience and they like they're like unfinished business. They're really cool D and D monsters. Anyway, um, it's either like a genetic or like a viral thing. I forget which one it some, is. Something like that. But both of you, like when you die, you <coughs> can find your way back to your body and come back. Yeah. So like that's what makes Sam an ideal porter because like he just can't die basically, yeah. <laughs> which adds to his sort of existential dread of a character because he's like people just need me. Like no one actually knows who I am. I don't want to know anyone. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So you go into the Oval Office and your mom is there. Uh, and she's like, I need you to help me like reconnect the country basically. Yeah. And you're obviously extremely standoffish early on with the scene with, uh, Leo Saito, you find a photo of, of Sam when he was younger with his mom and mm-hmm. his sister. Yeah. Um, and a raindrop I think falls on the sister, Yeah. which like makes the photo grow like sepia and kind of black and white yeah um so sam's a dick he's like i'm not helping you i don't the country's already over like there's no there's nothing yeah he's like there's nothing to protect when when the the calamitous event in in the game was called the death stranding he's like when the death stranding happened everything was fucked you're the president of nothing like yeah this this whole place is is it is a wasteland and the only reason i'm doing this is because i am like built for it and it's the only thing i'm good at yeah uh, it's I very much like is... a like a barry uh if, if you've ever watched barry it's, it's it's like a barry like i'm only killing people because i'm good at it but it's not yeah. really what i want to be doing it's a classic to like rejection of the call kind of thing yeah like, oh know, yeah very, absolutely uh similar to like uh casablanca or my favorite uh miyazaki prokuro so mm-hmm. we're like there's a character who like probably cares more than the letting off which like always fucks me up anyway yeah. uh the president then i think it's the line he goes you're the president of jack shit yes <laughs> and then that's, she, that's like, it that's it she jumps out of her bed she, like, and like launches like, herself out onto you and starts crawling after you the same way b2s <laughs> do like the same rhythm mm-hmm. um and she but then she holds your hand like covered in like death gook like, yeah you know like bt stuff and she's like i love you sam and then it cuts to his sister and says i'll be waiting for you on the beach and the beach is like the division between the realm of the dead there's a lot of like nautical images which i adore uh when you get dragged to the realm of the dead like a giant whale just pops up it's so cool it's so unnerving anyway um so she says i love you holds your hand says i'll be waiting for you at the beach and dies 
Um, and which what we learned very recently means that she's going to necrotize at any moment and turn yeah. into a, a giant Lovecraftian man who will bring you into the sky, even if you try and stab yourself. So what happens then is, but no better image of like the dread of a country on a personal level than the president who's your mom dying. And then the Oval Office revealed to be a hologram yep. turns to like a gray room. Then without letting you mourn for 30 seconds, die hard men and dead man, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Mm hmm show up and they're like we really need you to carry your mom's corpse to the nearest incinerator and that yep. was that's i think either where you're gonna bounce from the game or be all in i think that that's the because it's such a sad and disturbing thing to do yeah but like how it's executed because it sounds this might sound really off-putting and truly it is but like the fact of like the first mission being sam having to carry his mom on his back tripping constantly to bring her to the incinerator they're also like no one can know she's dead because like People love her, and if they know that she's no longer president, that all hope is out the window. Yeah, that is that is the last little blip of light that people yeah. have. Yeah. So you then have to, and then music starts playing. It's a beautiful song. I it forgot really is, which yeah. song it is, but it's an incredible song. And you're just carrying your mom uh, on your back in this like logistics kind of wrapped package. Yeah. To the nearest incinerator. Worth noting, um, very difficult to carry bodies yes, on your back you're compared constantly to tripping. packages. Um, yeah, um, so it is like you really have to get good at uh, keeping your balance with the with the trigger buttons. This is the first time, though, that you'll start to see uh, one of the main features of the game that I think I'm having the most actual fun with. I think this is where people uh, really objectively respond well to the game is mm -hmm. like you get the ability to build like ladders and and uh, bridges and even highways at a certain point yep. but you can build a lot of these contraptions that make it significantly easier to climb over mountains or avoid bt areas yeah um kind of like dark souls you can put up signs that like warn you of things and whenever you do that it has a chance of appearing in someone else's game. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like Journey or Dark Souls where like you're helping someone without even realizing you are, which yeah. that's where the game's message, I think, is the most beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, the fact like this could be such a hopeless mission, but just seeing like someone put a ladder for you to climb, you know, and is is wanting you to do okay. And, and they did that to also help themselves, but they're also doing it to help you. Yeah. That's where the game I thought was brilliant. I thought it was such a sad but oddly beautiful moment. You finally get to the incinerator and this is where bb proves itself where mm -hmm. you get a call from dead man they're like also while you're there uh get rid of your other equipment and sam like takes a moment to look at what that is and it's and it's the bridge baby yeah and he's like what you want me to kill the kid you know he's like no yeah, yeah. And, and they're like well it's not they're like pity if you want it's the reason we lost an entire city it didn't do its job right get rid of it of course then without missing a beat bts are like surrounding the incinerator mm -hmm. uh and bb he's like well i got an idea and plugs into bb and whenever sam plugs into uh but when i say plug in it's like bb is in this sort of like plastic fetus like you know container yeah and on the edge uh he like has a rope where he like plugs it into the side and then they're connected briefly he'll start crying and he'll be confronted with a memory of bb which i really like those scenes yeah that's where mads milkinson makes his uh debut appearance and he strongly implied to be that baby's father mm -hmm. is like in a room i'm getting the vibe that he was probably the baby's father and the mom is like in some type of coma because mm. the reason the baby can see the bts is because it's from a mother who is like on the verge of the realm of the dead in some way wild I yeah th i think that's what's going on so there's some really cool scenes with mads milkinson that you see through the tank mickelson. from the babies uh, mickelson mads milk mickelson excuse me really cool scenes but you plug in and then you start seeing bts and that's the reason you're able to get out alive and that's where 
the baby proves itself and becomes your like Navi throughout this world, yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And so what follows that is then Die Hardman is like, okay, we need you to bring these these like magical keys to bring every other city back online to the network. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Breath of the Wild of activating the towers. It's yep. almost even a similar animation where there's like kind of strings and you start floating for a second and the baby's like, whoa, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And as as much reason as there is to like be weary and critical of the internet and social media and the effects of that, like plenty of that and plenty of media that rightfully explores the negative side, there is a positive angle to it. And this game oddly explores like one of the more optimistic sides of like at this point the internet is a necessity it's not like a luxury like it was once seen as yeah and it's a, it's almost um a far cry almost like a total 180 from uh kojima's own take on the internet and social media when um metal gear 2 came out uh, solid yeah. 2 specifically which is like mostly about that and is mostly about the idea that like us connecting through computers is going to remove the face from everything like he kind of like called the the anonymity becoming part of the problem thing like way back then not that it wasn't already kind of prevalent but less prevalent than it is now it's really nice to see him come out the other end on it i think yeah because like not to turn this into fucking heady whatever podcast but like i think that the internet is an inherent good i think social media is an inherent good i think it brings out some of the bad and we are uh, exposed to bad more frequently than we have been in the past but i i appreciate this take that like a like you get on social media is nice. You know, like it's it's someone actually telling like um, in, and like, look again, like we can explore like the negative ramifications of that and like the kind of heightened importance of that. But like in this world, yeah, someone liking you is someone you don't know in a city you'll never go to being like, thank you for helping me. Yes. That's what it means. It's not nothing, game. which is, which is, I think, yeah. which is, I think the, the kind of takeaway from it, right. Is like yeah. so many people, I think would would interpret that as as a total like nothing throwaway whatever. I was just having a conversation with some people at work recently about the idea that like would you rather have somebody like your tweet or come up to you in person and tell you that they like your tweet? Like which yeah. of, which of those two would you prefer? And and what is the actual difference between those two in terms of like intention and action? And and I love that this game is exploring that exact question. Yeah. Um, yeah. For because real. in this case nobody can physically go up and tell somebody that they like the thing or that or very thankful, rarely and you know risking a lot yes yeah. it would it would take too much to make that happen um which is which is wild um yeah so so basically once you once you uh go through that scene with bb and and you know take care of your mother die hardman is like take these keys bring everyone back online you meet your sister who mm-hmm. is going to take up like the role of presidency and reveal that, but she's currently kept captive on the Pacific coast by a group of villains who are like kind of classic Metal Gear bad guys. They just like love death or something. Yeah. You know, like it's they're more of a threat than kind of at least currently. I think I'm really interested in where uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm assuming he is part of that group. Um, yeah, he's got to uh, be. Your sister is on the beach and she's in the Oval Office, which is back to normal, and she's like, my goal is, like, if we can reconnect every city to the network, you'll eventually meet me on the coast, and, like, we can work together to bring everything back to normal. Yeah. And people, like, really love uh, both his mother and his sister. Like, they're, like, the two sh- rays of hope mm-hmm. for this country. And basically, uh, he's still standoffish, but he eventually 
they seem to be connected through dreams and like she gave him a dream catcher back in the day a lot of imagery there and he has dreams of them like on the beach which really lovely scenes very like very uh, you could tell Kojima has probably watched a lot of like experimental film and like Mm -hmm. you know really like is a master of like visual storytelling I almost wish the game had less dialogue because I think that that's what hits harder for me (laughs) yeah you know but uh they're on the beach and he wakes up and he's like hey die hard man like I don't, you know, in his Sam way, he's like, I can't give two shits about the country, but I want to help my sister. So yeah. I'll do it. Right. Um, so and that's the rest of the, the game. You know, there's more story stuff that will obviously happen, but that's when the game opens up. And it's basically like you have to go from town to town to deliver stuff and you slowly bring every network back online and then you can build uh, structures there. You can see more of like what the threats are. You can put up signs. You see a lot more from people. Someone built a mailbox right by the capital city that just plays this awesome song. I just slept there and like, yeah, you start to see that the world itself and this this is where I think Kojima is showing his optimistic view of both humanity and the internet. The world itself is a untamed, natural, beautiful landscape, but it's uninhabitable. Yeah. It's mountainous and rocky and it's full of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> what makes it beautiful and what makes it feel like it's yours is the stuff that you do with other people. You know? And that's mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful message for a game to have, and I feel that constantly. Yeah, um totally. And that's basically where I am. I've read pretty much every review I've read has been like the t- first 10 hours are a slog, which is why I was really hesitant to play. Cause I'm like, that's a long time. That's yeah. not like I'll, I'll, I've never said in my life, I'll give it 10 hours, you right. know, but the I only disagree. time I've ever done that is with a persona game. Yeah. <laughs> persona four yeah. specifically. They were like, okay, about 30 hours in is when it gets great. It was like, all right, well I already you, bought the Vita. So I, I love persona five, but yeah, there's a lot of setup and like, I think yeah, it doesn't really start until 10 hours, but yeah, uh, similar. I guess I have given Persona 5 10 hours. Anyway, Ryuji tells you something and then texts you the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I, I disagree with that. I, I, I could see someone, I think whether or not the, the beginning we just detailed works for you is totally subjective. Yeah. Um, I think it's really brilliant visual storytelling and it's also fun and tense to play. The yeah. thing that really blew me away is like you've seen... They established the threat so strongly early on that when you're finally confronted with BTs in the incinerator part of the game and you have to like go back, it's terrifying. And there's actually a button to hold your breath. And like yeah. the baby starts crying through your controller. Like it's tense. And you feel it's such relief because the game, like a Breath of the Wild or like a lot of good open world games, lets you navigate problems however you see fit you know mm-hmm. you could be like okay i'm just gonna like i'm gonna really metal gear this and just stealth my way through the bts you right. can do that it's yeah. really hard but you could do that but if you have like eight towers of boxes on your back and like a motorcycle be like well it might be better if i could build a bridge to get over this area mm-hmm. um or you might have like this the eureka deus ex machina of someone having done that already and you find it and then you can give it likes you right. know uh, which will actually level them up and increase you know other things for them and their character yeah so that's just like the game had a long setup i just wanted to kind of detail how much i love that beginning how much i enjoyed playing this with people and we were switching off who got to play and like the fact that i that i began this game with a group setting i thought was so much more powerful like the connections that were even being made in that room like that sounds corny but like it really was effective yeah Um, totally so yeah i i've just talked a lot so i'd love to hear more of your like feelings on the beginning of the game (laughs) and such 
Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm like fully like step for step in line with exactly your thoughts on, on the beginning of it. I was, I was blown away by it. I, I, the ambition comes through so fully and, and I feel like it, um, it is so intentional and executed so well. Um, that I, I almost don't have anything like negative to say about it really at all yet. Yeah. Um, in my time with it so far, I, I've, I've just been like nothing short of, of like floored by it. I, I think like it's the first time I've played something of his, you know, which like I can't, I can't keep saying that, but I, you know, in what other avenue am I going to do that? Um, or in what other place am I going to do that? But it's the first time I've seen something of his that seems both like lofty and paired back simultaneously. Like it, it is so streamlined. Um, in its intention, I, I think even just opening with that ropes and sticks quote, um, you know, it really just kind of highlights exactly what he's trying to accomplish. And I think that at least from what I've played so far, he has accomplished it. Um, I'm excited yeah. to see, you know, where the story goes and, and how it how it pans out. Um, and if that intentionality follows through all the way to the end of the narrative, what I'm actually interested in because i i've seen people describe this as like oh this is a new genre of thing which i i actually i don't agree with personally um no i wouldn't either especially if you're to take the sticks and ropes idea right like the games that are stick based quote unquote like there are a ton of them right it's every fighting game it's every shooter it's every like uh, action rpg those are all all stick games and then rope games are like i think this is just like another avenue that you can take to do that kind of uh that game about connection right like animal yeah. crossing weirdly i would put in the same realm as death stranding i mean even the act of catching a pokemon is inherently yes. a rope based mechanic you know yeah uh, and I, I love thinking about that in games and like what you know because there's definitely some stick stuff going on here too which we'll get into because i think we'll take a break and then we'll talk more about the mechanics and such um if you don't mind sure uh if you don't mind we're doing a show together um but uh yeah i think i think in terms of it being a new genre i would probably compare this most the the feeling i got the most from it when i first started playing was shadow of the colossus where like for those unfamiliar shadow of the colossus is half exploring this very similarly very green very mountainous environment that you have to like kind of exhaustingly travel like you run out of stamina you know you have like a set you're and you're also given a very similar objective like go and fight the colossus over here but you're not told like you're just given a general sense of where it is yeah and half the game is just this very zen like giant environment that you can just kind of explore and traverse freely and it's like very human in the way you climb and the way you explore and the way you even ride your horse like yeah i would probably I compare most to that and then of course replace the like climactic boss battles with like the sort of stealth threat of bts mm-hmm. um but that and and i think that there's a lot of comparisons too to breath of the wild in terms of like bringing a world back to life you mm-hmm. know with yeah totally uh you know with because i think once you bring a once you bring a town back on the network you can build more stuff in that area you can like trade resources with them and then you can also like spot where things are so like the two main threats at least for me so far in the game are bts and they're a group of like raiders basically that will like and that's where the game feels the most metal gear like once you get after once you accept the mission from die hardman die hardman hartman and mama the three characters that like reach out to you the most uh will call you and you get very similar like metal gear messages they'll be like sam bring this to you know they'll they'll tell you gameplay stuff kind of like hey snake you should do Mm -hmm. this right and with the raiders like the music that plays when you're like sneaking past them like there's a lot of uh deliveries where you actually have to steal back stuff they've stolen from cities so you have to like sneak and like open a safe and then like alarms go off and they throw like uh these like trip wires on the ground that you have to avoid as you're like carrying backpacks (laughs) and stuff away but um 
so like it's cool that there are there are other threats than just BTs. BTs are like the big the big cosmic threat that even yeah. those raiders will run away from. They don't want to mess with them. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's great. We'll we'll get more into that stuff, I think. Uh but do you want to take a little bit of a break or do you I wanna... would like to, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh cool. We're gonna take a break. Okay. See you in a bit. Goodbye. Bye. Hello. Brent. Hi. Well met. Well met. Uh, wow. Well met. Oh, this is a game that's uh both fun and exhausting to talk about, I feel like. It's 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 uh it's so off-putting just with words i feel like you know <laughs> yeah um but i i also think in terms of like I, i've struggled even still to like if i would recommend it because i think it really depends i, I think refuse when people ask me what i think about it and if they would like it i i will not tell them i'm just like i, I no like idea. it but i don't i have no idea if you will yeah i i think it's the game equivalent of cilantro where it's like going to like either taste like soap or you're gonna wow. like it you know that is a great analogy yes that is exactly what it's like and there's no way there's just some piece there are some pieces of media that are like like i feel like back way back in the day napoleon dynamite was one of those movies where like you either loved it or hated it and that movie tasted like soap to me <laughs> see i really liked it but yeah. it got to the point where it was overquoted and all that. anyway but uh yeah so back to death stranding um we'll talk a bit more about like specifics of the game i think oddly for me the weird the biggest point of tension was how weird some of the like jokier moments are mm -hmm. um there's like definitely a, a pretty like kojima is known for breaking the tension with like, a lot of like kind of surreal jokes in his games yeah. like i mentioned in a different episode that in metal gear solid 3 you can defeat a boss by leaving the game on for too long and they die of old age yeah like, there's tons of that kind of stuff um the weirdest thing in this game is that so when you're in your room like sam is just sitting on like a seat and weirdly enough like his like a uh, uh sheikah tablet equivalent is a handcuff yeah that like you know he's kind of a you know there, there's some dark imagery with him working for die hardman who has a skull for a face and he's a handcuff on his wrist but mm -hmm. as far as i can tell die hardman is like he has very good intentions right um anyway uh, so he goes to sleep with a handcuff, wakes up. One of the weirder things is that because you're a special uh, person who can not die, your like bodily fluid is harmful against BTs. So you can take a shower or go to the bathroom and the director of drive makes grenades out of your fluids basically yep <laughs> and as you go to the bathroom there's an advertisement for norman reedus's old amc show that like covers over like where his private parts would be yep um additionally there's a bunch of monster energy on your desk that you can chug to like give you a significant stamina boost throughout yeah. the rest of your journey not only that your canteen of what i thought was water also has monster energy in it yeah uh it's hard it's easy to miss but like it li you're literally only drinking monster energy in the game it's a weird thing because it's so like the product placement for that is only in your room but it is so in your face that it feels like a parody but i don't know the story behind it and it's oddly off-putting but that's like one thing it on one hand it has to be right it has to be parody on the other yeah. hand it like legally they had to clear that right yeah which means that monster energy is aware of that which means that they maybe did pay for that as product placement and Kojima was just like, this is going to be hilarious. There is another scenario in which he loves Monster Energy and just wanted it in the video game. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. possible that he was just like, no, I love Monster Energy and Norman Reedus yeah. loves Monster Energy and we're just going to make him drink 16 cans of Monster Energy every two hours of this video game. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. But the other things you can do in your room are you can check on BB, which are kind of touching moments where he'll be like, you tired, buddy? And they just like kind of check in on him. Yeah. Um, 
you can also on the, the little glass. Yeah, my favorite thing to do is you can do like uh, you can do weird poses in the mirror, which you can take selfies of. Yeah. Um, and the BB will laugh and give you likes for it. Yes. So like, I got an achievement for getting my first like from BB. There's a lot of cute moments like that where there are signs that will say like "Good job, BB," left by other players, mm-hmm. and you'll hear him like laughing joyfully. And if you check in on him, he's like blowing you hearts like in the in yeah. the water and his thing. He's a really cute baby. I I'm, I'm surprised like because at first when they first introduced him, it was kind of like the shock factor of like that you have this like fetus companion. Mm-hmm. But he's great. Like he he oddly or, or uh, the the baby they oddly have like a very lighthearted tone to them that breaks the tension. And you genuinely care about them. Like whenever they're upset, you can like comfort them. And yeah. And uh, if if things get too heavy uh, or too bad, like with BTs and stuff, they stop operating. Actually. Yeah. So then you have to go back to your room and recharge them. Yeah. The first um, the first time during that opening, um, when you're surrounded by BTs, is the first time you plug BB in. Uh, I fuck up horribly and just yeah. fell right off the side of a mountain because i was like looking at a bt and not paying attention to where i was going and i just fell off the side and, and it was just like nope you're done actually bb yeah. is done the little like arm thing that is opening and closing is also done you are fucked sorry yeah and then i died they really make the threat of bts known and like the holding your breath is such an effective thing to do yeah but yeah so so in your room you also have these action figures where like he like looks at the camera and points to them proudly so like mm-hmm. The room is a really weird place, uh, yeah. and that's where I think you might be the most off hook because that does really clash with like the more like vulnerable and heartfelt moments of the game. Um, I've grown to like them because like as the game opens up, you kind of return to your room and break the tension a bit. Yeah, I mean, it also shows the the personality that's beneath the surface of this character, right? This person who is so closed off and, and seems to be so stoic and, and um, uninterested in contact with other people who, when in their room by themselves in their own element is like really goofy and kind of fun and like having a great time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think he opens up with BB. Like they have like a pretty strong friendship throughout yeah. the game or like even more of like a paternal relationship. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think, the reason why I think a lot of reviews say like, oh, the first for context, I think I'm at like hour nine or ten. So I'm like right where the game is starting to open up right before chapter three, which like everyone I talk to says you have to get to chapter three. That's like yeah, yeah. the turning point. And it's where they let you build a lot more stuff. I now have the ability to build like giant bridges, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself doing a lot of side quests in this game, like taking on a lot of different deliveries. And like I'm so genuinely proud when I get through like there's one point where you get to like a windmill like wind generator city that's like through a forest one of the few forests and it is full of bts Mm. it's like haunted woods bts and i once i delivered there i got the ability to build a battery generator so i was able to recharge that motorcycle you start the game with and someone had built a bridge and i just was able to ride a motorcycle over that awful forest and like those moments of triumph where you can use either your own like genuine like you really feel like you're using your own sense of intuitiveness and cleverness to like traverse the environment or other people have done that and you can like it's just a breath of fresh air because like some of the deliveries you're taking on like there are a lot of memes of like you know dudes with like cities on their back but, like you carry a lot of stuff yeah and there are some deliveries where like, i have to actually put things like on my bike too i i got a little cocky with the bike because i was able just to zip through a village of of uh raiders and i was like or uh, excuse me a camp of raiders and i'm like that was easy yeah but then bts like pull i was so heavy that it pulled me into hell and then what happens is like the camera like zips on the ground and then like a big sea creature will like pop out of like an ocean of weird death 
water. Yeah. Um, it's it's when the first time it happened. <laughs> shout out to my roommate Bobby, who has walked in on the weirdest moments in games where like he walked in and he's oh, Death Stranding, like, is it fun? And he just saw like he heard the baby crying on my controller and just saw a whale like pop out of a melon. <laughs> and he was like, This is my nightmare. Um he also came when I was watching uh he came in the door when I was watch when I was playing Near Automata. Spoiler for Near Automata, this skip ahead like ten seconds. There's a moment in Nier Automata where a group of robot children have committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And the friendly machine who is in charge of them is like, I cannot live with this pain. Either kill me or erase my memories. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like one of the most beloved characters in the game. I just sat there like with my jaw open and Bobby came in and I was like, hey, you having fun? I'm like, I don't know. I had to rethink everything. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is a lot. I I actually said I was like, this quick question, what would you do if a group of machine children committed suicide and a close friend of yours asked for you to kill them or erase their memories? I erased their memories, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um Yeah, I did the same thing. Anyway, uh yeah, so He came in when the whale popped out and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think once the world opens up, that's where I think the kind of objectively fun elements of the game start popping up, like getting a delivery successfully there. And what you're graded by is like some of them are timed. Most of them are like, was the stuff was the cargo damaged? damaged? Yeah. And you have a pretty like sizable window. Like you can even get dragged to hell and the cargo will be like, OK. Like, yeah. You also get a, con- like, because the, the container takes damage before the actual thing inside does. Yeah. And you get, eventually, you get a tool that's, like, a spray can, like, that repairs the containers, um, which is neat. And, like, all the stuff you can build, like, I, you get a 3D printer. It's, like, so satisfying to build something and, like, see how it's going to help the world. There's also, I don't fully understand it yet, but there's a mechanic where if someone lost critical cargo lost cargo will show up in your environment and you can deliver that to like mailboxes to like entrust it to another player to finish the job yeah it um, is, it is, is literally really just like an act of goodwill that you can do yeah that's it that's the only reason that's in the game and i love that and that's kind of like the 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 game has made like what normally is tedious a very fun thing like may i, I really I'm a sucker for like managing inventory. It's one of the like objectively like mathy, boring things that I actually like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I like Pokemon so much because I love making a team and you know arranging that. But yeah. trying to figure out like, okay, should I just dump all this cargo on my back? Should I have some of it on my body? Should I put it on my bike? Mm-hmm. And like the the weight of everything is like you said, like you have to kind of balance with the shoulder buttons um and getting that from point a to point b is so satisfying oddly because of the likes too like when you go there and you get like you know usually if you get it there at all you get an s rank and you get like a million likes and mm-hmm. whoever is like the representative of that station their hologram will pop up and be like oh wow like thanks you really did us a favor here yeah. um one of them is conan o'brien which i haven't met yet but yeah, that's man. where there are a lot of a lot of cameos and stuff um although i'm surprised that a lot of the cameos are like main characters like <laughs> Hartman and mm-hmm. and De- Hartman, Deadman, Die Hardman, and Mama are your like main right. and and your sister, uh, Amelie, I believe is her name. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun roster of characters. Um, I'm really into it. I I think we will definitely revisit this game. Um, yeah, but I really want to. Uh, we were talking before we started recording. Like I, I'm planning on making next month just like revisit all the games 
that are on my top 10 list um yeah or maybe not on my top 10 list yet and just like i don't know j- just a just a month of uh finishing things which i'm very excited about but yeah i think in terms of like what to go into this game expecting if i were to recommend it i would say expect like you're gonna watch like a really powerful experimental film that's mixed with like a very zen breath of the wild game that has sudden moments of tension and terror like i am on the edge of my seat when bt's show up it is so effective yeah i that's the thing that I find myself torn by because I, I got the game kind of hoping for that very solitary kind of Zen experience. And I found myself just like a so terrified and tense, uh, but B find myself bumping up against the actual intention of the game, which is reconnecting and not being a, a, a solitary loner anymore. Right. Like I yeah. bought the game kind of looking for that and have found that the, the overarching theme of the game is actually the opposite. Um, which is fascinating. Um, I'm hoping that by the end of it, it kind of it, it's like a slow gradient into into you know ropes everywhere. Well, that's the thing. I think as the game goes on, like the environment is more and more traversable, and right. you have more at your disposal. And uh, I would oddly compare it to the Blood Moons and Breath of the Wild as well, where like a lot of that game is mm. so relaxing, but that is also a world that is very threatening. It's beautiful, so yeah. it cuts the tension there. But you know, like suddenly Blood Moons come out of nowhere, and in the BTs arriving, because usually what happens is it starts raining first, and your hood goes up. Yeah. Then it's timefall. And then the blinker starts, and you're like, "Oh fuck, there are BTs here." I always put yeah. up a sign when there are BTs, and like this fucking it. They it is such a bummer when when the blinker comes <laughs> out. But I love the sigh of relief when the baby is like, "Phew!" It, yeah, you know, the, like the thing. The baby is so much character. They're they're great. BB. I have this awful joke with you where like I keep <laughs> sending you and AJ this emoji of a baby, and then a voice like message going like what do i know i'm just a baby what are you asking me for (laughs) like i just i keep envisioning a version of the game where it it ruins itself by making the baby like it's just look who's talking yeah yeah or the baby from dinosaurs yes yeah (laughs) but thankfully they don't do that it does not talk at least yet who knows by the end it might have like the ending monologue it might be mad as you can see the rope gameplay (laughs) is more you know (laughs) It's Kojima. Yeah. (laughs) It's the baby grows up and he looks at the camera and goes, thanks, daddy. And the game ends. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, Cursed. But yeah. uh, Yeah. I think that's basically like I could go into more specifics, but that's and like I said earlier, it's kind of simple in that way where it's like that. That's what kind of anchors the game. Like it's essentially go to point A to point B, get all the stuff there safe and all the other kind of more extravagant stuff is built on top of that right um but like can't stress how beautiful the environments are also like i I was talking to a friend of mine about like the intention of using likenesses i actually would love to talk to you about this where it's Mm. like i think i i would say i would credit the intention of like really photorealistically capturing everyone's likeness to the same intention that kojima wants to be a film director like he wants to make movies yeah and like i think that this is his way of making the game feel like a movie hybrid where you, it look, like you watch some scenes and it just feels like you're watching a movie, you yeah, know, like you, absolutely. the actors look like they do, but do you find that distracting at all? Or do you think that it pays off? No, I think it's great. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I would be disappointed if it was just their voices or something um, right. with, with a completely uh, animated 
body. Um, I, it, it's yeah, no, I think it's great. I, I would, I would enjoy this more if this was more of a thing, you know, uh, who was that? Ellen Page showed up in, in a game uh, a couple of years ago. Hayden Panettiere was in a game a couple of years ago. Like I, I'm, I'm always in favor of that if, if the actors are down, but also, you know, it's cost prohibitive and there's like a billion other reasons why it doesn't happen as much. Yeah. And like, usually it gets into uncanny Valley territory. Uh, it's so this good game, in this though. It's so, it is, it is beautiful. This game, if nothing else, this game is like a testament to the craft itself. Like it is so well made. Yeah. Even if you like hate it and like hate everything about it and despise Monster Energy, which I do. <laughs> yeah, same. But uh, you have to, you have to like acknowledge that like this is a well made thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I am so surprised and happy that I'm enjoying it as much as I am because I was kind of dreading like I don't want to talk about this because I feel like I have to, you know. Right. But, yeah. Like, same. I, I, I'm definitely in the camp of loving this game. Happy I checked it out. And I would say, like, if you have an interest in it, check it out. I think if you're gen- if you're generally at least curious about it, I think you will find something to enjoy. Yeah, you read, might fall- read a lot of reviews, like, on yeah. both sides of, of the spectrum, I would say. And, and if you find yourself agreeing with some of the ideas and the positive ones, if you're like, that actually does sound like something I would enjoy, then it's probably worth checking out, at least. Yeah. Because you yeah. will not know if you like it until you start playing it. Yeah, and, and and that's the only reason I've been telling people to maybe wait until it's on sale. You know, that way it's like you're not spending 60 bucks on like a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming this game is done pretty well, so I don't feel bad saying that, you yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's really one of a kind. Like I, it's not a new genre, but it's definitely like the first game I played in a while that feels like really testing out the medium in interesting ways mm-hmm. while keeping like a very concrete idea like what makes a game a game. You know, yeah. it doesn't ever forget that it's a game. And that's where I think sometimes cutscenes can really kind of bog down a game like a, you know, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 or <laughs> even some, you know, even like more recent Final Fantasies because it's like, okay, these cutscenes are not like the cutscenes in the beginning of Death Stranding are setting up what the threat is. Yeah. The things the characters are doing in those cutscenes, you will end up doing in the game. Yeah. And and they're there to set the tone and, and everything. It's a very powerful like cutscenes in a game are like a really strong spice. Like when they're used in the right moments, in the right context, it can really aid the experience. I think uh, it stands out how infrequent cutscenes are in a game like Bloodborne or whatever, where suddenly when the action is pulled away, you're like, oh shit, what's happening? Yeah. You know? Yeah, same thing with Hollow Knight. I remember just being like, floored anytime there's a cutscene cutscenes are boring when it's like like i I love monster (laughs) hunter world but there are so many cutscenes in monster hunter world where there weren't a lot of cutscenes but when there were it was like my character doing something cool that i wasn't doing and i'm like this sucks yeah i don't right right, right. i don't want to see someone do something that i wasn't responsible for you know yeah a game like Nier Automata uses cutscenes very well where like they're using it to tell again it's equally bizarre story and like really drill certain moments home but then they give you action they give you like the ability to play the game right away. Yeah. That example of of Pascal giving you that choice like that's you could even just walk away that's another choice you could do where mm-hmm. you're like I don't want to choose either of these I'm just going to leave the building. Yeah and see what happens. Um so I think like similar to a lot of elements in games I think cutscenes have become like a bad word but i think that they can still be very powerful you just can't forget that it's a game and don't like use a cutscene to do something for the player you know yeah um agree yeah death stranding good i love it uh yeah we will talk about it again we will absolutely revisit again i'd like uh, once we're farther into the story we might like do a kind of plot centric episode there was a lot to cover so i 
you know, I think I was a little bit all over the place, but I just, I'm really happy that we're both enjoying it so much. Yeah, I could see a situation in which, I mean, I, I don't want to make any promises or whatever, but I could see a situation in which like a full deep dive becomes a bonus episode in 2020 at some point when we both finished it. Yeah, that um, makes sense. We have, we have obviously, you know, well, uh, December's bonus episode is already planned out. We already know what that's going to be. I don't think we're ready to talk about what that is yet. But like, no, not yet. I think January, February could be a could be a Death Stranding one. We'll see. Yeah, and I mean, there's never really any limit to how many times we can cover a game, as evidenced by Three Houses, which we talked about. I think, I think four times? three times, yeah. and then had a bonus episode that was eight hours. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and yeah, we will I, talk I, about it again. I think. I think. Yeah, you expect expect a plot Death Stranding episode either like on its own, like during a slower period, or as a bonus episode. Um, yeah, I think you're right in saying that. Yeah, cool. Wrap up. Cool. Let's wrap up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been a really exciting time of year for games and for the show. Uh, we really truly appreciate all the support we get, and and um, we're just having more and more fun with the show. And I, I I feel like, especially in this past year, I felt it like both grow as like a community around the show and like just us like trying out new stuff with it. It's been a really amazing time. Uh, yeah. I know we say it every week, but I just want to stress like how much I'm continuously enjoying it. And I like that it's growing, I like that it's changing. You know, we're not just like uh, top 10 things I hate about pizza. <laughs> I, don't know, whatever. Although, I don't know what that is. We should do that. <laughs> Hey, bub, it's the thing. I hate pepperoni. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah no, ag- thank- agreed. Agreed. Um, if you like the show, sharing with a friend is obviously the best way to help it grow. Rating it on Apple Podcasts out of five stars is also extremely helpful. Write a review if you want to even go further with it. We have a Twitter account uh, at Into the Cast where we post updates about the show and other silly things. We have a Twitch account, uh, which we want to stream more from, but that's sort of up and down at the moment. Uh, also at Into the Cast. Um, if you really, really like the show, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Into the Cast, where you can support the show financially. Currently, we have three tiers. Uh, $1 gets you a shout out. $3 gets you uh, episode art, uh, high quality files, as well as wallpaper uh, variants of that for your mobile device. And $5 gets you uh, a subscription to our monthly newsletter. Uh, it's where Brendan and I will write a piece. We'll often feature other writers and other artists. We're really excited because uh, next month, December, is going to be our quarterly public issue. So everyone's going to get that. So if you've either been reading them and are excited for that or you haven't seen them and are excited to see like what it is, um, the first issue ever is also public. It's where I wrote about Fire Emblem, of course, and you yeah. wrote about the Pokédex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'll be on uh, Medium. Well, that first issue is already on Medium, but that public one uh, in December will also be on Medium. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll share the link when that's live. Like, we'll talk about it on the show. It'll be a whole thing. Really excited about that. Another kind of um, another thing that I would like to plug is we have a Discord. Really great group of people. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Um, and we just recently unveiled the thing where for our Game of the Year episode, we're also going to talk about the Discord game of the year um so uh a group of people actually suggested it before we kind of moved forward with the idea so credit where credit's due thank you for bringing it up um but basically we have a google forum where you can tell us what your top five favorite games of the year were and we'll tally the votes together uh it'll be weighted of like you know if a game gets a first place vote that's going to count more than a fifth place vote Mm -hmm. but we're gonna bring up what the top five of the uh 
the top five audience games in our game of the year episode basically yeah. i'm interested so, to see how much it lines up with our own if at all yeah yeah it's already been we've gotten a pretty good amount already and i've been looking at them and there's a cool variety there are definitely some games that i uh there's one game that i really wanted to check out this year that we'll probably have to wait till next year uh, disco elysium i've heard a lot of buzz yeah. about that game um that's like a it kind of came out at the same time as uh outer world which was curious because they're both like fallout kind of homages right. in a way uh but disco elysium is like fallout 2 homage where it's i think like a noir detective setting where like isometric view and it's all dialogue like it's all dialogue and right. it's even more like the the amount of dialogue choices are even more out there than than uh outer worlds but yeah. that's what the whole game is on so that i i can't play it now because i don't have a pc but i might check that out like early next year yeah, kind of totally. like what we did with oberden um but that's what i i bring it up solely because i like seeing games that like we may have missed and and can check out either now or later yeah um but yeah it will be curious to see how everything lines up i'm, I'm very excited for that episode yeah me too um uh, so get ready for that that marathon gauntlet of an episode when that comes out and also uh, our bonus episode for December which we have also really just bitten off so much for <laughs> that is also going to be uh, a long one but I'm excited about it that one I'm very excited to record because holy shit yeah I think is that it we have more and more uh, wrapping up to do as time progresses yeah no I, I'm gonna shout out all the Patreon backers and then I think we're oh good. of course yeah um, thank you so much to Akira, Alex, Andrew, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, Brett, Catherine, Christopher, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Jeff, Josh, Cameron, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, No Name, Pablo, Philip, Scout, and Spencer. Um, thank you all so much for backing the show. Thank um, you. Yeah, I think that's it for this week, right? I think I think we're good. Um, maybe play Death Stranding, maybe don't. Uh, and we'll <laughs> talk to you next week. I don't know what we're talking about next week. Um, we only planned November. We did not plan December. So very, I'm kind of glad because I feel like yeah. this the this whole month was lined up. Um, but it'll be cool to see what we end up talking about. Um, also, real quick, just one last thing. Uh, speaking of what we talk about, I we always really enjoy discussing questions from you all uh, a lot of you have brought up like really interesting conversation points and questions for us that could range from like game specific to sort of like uh questions we've explored in the past have been like uh you know how have you ever like felt the need to like complete a game 100 and like what kind of value comes from that like do you struggle with like finding time to play video games or like you know getting bored when you do like we've had a lot of really interesting conversations with that so if you feel compelled to bring anything to our attention or you have a game that you think should uh, you know, get more attention that, that hasn't yet, you can DM us on Twitter. You can also reach us at our email address, which is into the podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, just want to shout that out in case anyone had anything in mind. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that having been said, um, thanks for listening. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Have a good day, week, month, year, life. But also we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. (laughs) See you later, bub. Goodbye, Ben.